0: Hey Caleb! Hello. How are you doing with that uh, bojangles you just had for dinner?
1: Well, my tummy is full and I'm feeling good.
0: Same man. That was uh, it's funny we both ended up eating the same thing, <laughs> independently.
1: <coughs> I it was it was a tough decision to figure out what I wanted for dinner.
0: Yeah, I think uh, bojangles is just easy to go to.
1: It's actually a little out of the way for me. Oh, really? But I... I ha- So I have to drive a bit of a distance if I want Bojangles or Popeyes. But um, we have a lot of other stuff close to where I live, but mm. I was feeling Bojangles, I guess.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm often feeling Bojangles. Um, but yeah, I know you are super excited about um, the movie we're talking about. Tonight, so I, I want to let you have, I guess the the reign and control on the conversation, just so we can hit everything that you notice, because you are the resident scholar expert of the Halloween movies. So,
1: well, I wouldn't say that, but
0: <laughs> between the two of us,
1: <laughs> I, I have definitely seen probably I, I've probably spent more time viewing Halloween movies than than you. I would I would guess.
0: Yes, I would agree with that prediction.
1: <laughs> um well let's go ahead and just jump into IMDB, I guess, and knock that out. The uh the uh rundown
0: Yeah, sure thing. Um So nineteen
1: seventy eight mm-hmm. of course. Um so that's eighteen years after Psycho. Yeah. And I mean we will probably discuss Psycho's influence a bit more. Mm -hmm. throughout the course of this conversation but it definitely had influences and so because psycho came out earlier um halloween definitely drew inspiration and um definitely i think took a few elements from that movie which which most horror movies did past that point. Psycho, I would say is the turning point of horror film. Mm. And so it definitely set the stage for many to come. And there, there's just, you know, direct, I guess, lifts from that movie in this movie. Like for instance, the the one that's most glaring is there's a character that shares the same (laughs) name in this movie. As there was in that movie,
0: yeah, Mr. Sam Lewis. Sam, or, sorry, Sam Lewis.
1: <laughs> Sam Lewis. <laughs> Sam Lewis.
0: So in Psycho, he was the um, the gallant boyfriend, boyfriend. and this yes. one he is the kind of eerie psychiatrist, I guess.
1: What if this is just? I'm making this up. What if Marion's boyfriend, upon discovering her fate, went sort of, not mad, but what if he sort of became very intrigued with the psyche of of different people and and disorders and he became obsessive about that. (laughs) And he became a psychiatrist and became the eventual psychiatrist to a young Michael Myers.
0: (laughs) You know, I I think that has a strong basis because he would have been... (laughs) It would have been additionally stirred by the rousing, concluding speech of the psychiatrist in Psycho, because um, yes. <laughs> that was you know the best part of that movie. Um, <laughs> listen, yeah, listeners, you can listen to our previous conversation if you're wondering um, the context for that. Yes. But that is, yes, that is, so Sam Loomis is one of the, um, I guess, when you're, we're entering the psychoverse now, where there's Psycho and Halloween seem to have a common legacy or connections.
1: Yes, so that's just a theory of mine. Um, it's, it's definitely, definitely not true, and yeah. it's definitely not confirmed. But I think it's just sort of a funny little fan theory that I have. Yeah.
0: Well, and but, I don't know this. I guess call it coincidence. But one of the actresses I noticed watching watching the opening credits is named Nancy Loomis. The same last name. Yes. Um, which was that. Actress's maiden name, I think, before she got married. Um, later on in her career, because she's billed as um, something else um, in other movies. So that's also interesting, I guess. Yes. Yeah.
1: So the the cast. Hmm. So Donald Pleasance is a. Well, I think he's mostly known for probably Halloween, but mm-hmm. I know him additionally as <clears throat> Ernst Stavro Blofeld
0: from oh. You Only
1: Live Twice.
0: I thought he looked familiar, but I couldn't think of what else I had seen him in. That makes complete sense.
1: But that is what I know him from additionally to mm. the Halloween movies.
0: But yeah. wow!
1: Yes, and and um, the Bond film came out in the '60s, I believe. It was probably late '60s. Mm. So, <clears throat> but but yes, that's that's so. He's he's definitely a a, a notable figure and in, in a pretty good get for this, you know, indie budget less film
0: (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i mean jamie lee curtis becomes famous because of this but at the time she was just getting started right
1: yeah she was i i believe i believe this movie introduces her the same Mm. way that you know nightmare on elm street introduces johnny depp and Mm. a later halloween movie introduces paul Rowe. a lot of big (laughs) stars that exist today had their start in horror movies mm. um, that, that, uh, that actually went down to be classics. So I think that's also very interesting. It is interesting,
0: yeah. We'll have to study that more sometime.
1: And Halloween has garnered quite a, I guess, cast over the years in their many films. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of big names have... Portrayed different characters throughout the series, which I think is pretty, pretty nifty because you don't typically think of horror movies having such solid casts or, or, or actors.
0: Right. And, but, and so no. I guess thinking about all the Halloween movies. So there's a bunch that have, you know, had this progression, like there's Halloween one, two, three, four. I don't know. I think There's like a 20th one or something too, at some point. Um, or it's called age 20. Um, right. Well,
1: (laughs) so it's, yeah, it's called age 20, but it, it, it's not the 20th movie. It's just the (laughs) 20 year anniversary of the first film. Yeah. So that one came out in 98, I believe.
0: But so the reboot that's just recently occurred with Jamie Lee Curtis returning only picks up from the, where the first movie leaves off, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. It disregards all of the movies. That came after the nineteen seventy eight classic, including the the sequel that was i guess the most accepted and and i guess best sequel to this to the franchise hmm. to, this, yeah. to the, the second one is regarded as the best sequel, I think in most circles mm-hmm. but um yeah, they they basically just did away with the entire you know, story arc that the character took because I mean a lot of it didn't it, it got really really just messy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and
1: the and the uh the plots were very odd and weird and and they didn't really seem to follow the same logic throughout.
0: Right. So I I think but, I think that's just a very interesting aspect of this um franchise is the, you know, escalation of the movies, the returning of some characters, but ultimately that, you know, at the end they're turning around now and just basically going back and picking up the good stuff and running with that.
1: Well, that seems to be the case for quite a few horror movie genres. Mm. Like I know that they often just will... These days, especially. Like, a lot of these horror franchises had their run in the 80s and 90s, and then they sort of became parodies of themselves. And then, you know, in in the early 2000s and even now, people are starting to try to get back to what made the original classic movies classics, and they're trying to capture that same sort of vibe and essence that the originals had. So we're in this sort of new age cinematic horror kind of, I guess, era, Mm. which is pretty nifty for, for people like me who really enjoy the horror films.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, But yeah,
1: to, to, so, so like you said, Jamie Lee Curtis became a star off of this movie but she wasn't necessarily, I, I believe she was unknown until this movie happened. I mean, she is the daughter of, um, you know, Janet Leigh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: another big psycho connection.
1: Yeah, so so that that may be why, one of the reasons why, if not the reason why, she got the part. But I believe that her, you know, filmography was barren up until this movie. Mm-hmm. And the only other person that I recognized is P. J. Souls, mm-hmm. and she played Linda in the film, and she you may remember her from Carrie. She was one of the i guess bit players in that. She was kind of like, "Oh, a, okay. one of the classmates that was kind of a jerk. so gotcha. <laughs> she wore a hat all the time and had terrible a terrible haircut with bangs that like went up to. Her hairline.
0: <laughs> Maybe that was the thing in the seventies, you know.
1: <laughs> but but that was the only other actress or actor, just in general, that I think I recognized. Yeah. Um. From from other from other films. Yeah. From this cast.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's low budgets. So that's kind of what you would expect. Is um, of their. Let's see, it was a three hundred twenty-five thousand dollar budget. Yes. Which. Um, I guess even for that time, Nothing. it's not very big. <laughs> and I'd have to get out a calculator to compute the return that this movie <laughs> has created because that is a big number. So it has grossed um, forty over $47 million in its, uh, I guess, you know, how many years of existing now? Like,
1: 40 nearly well actually more well 42 yeah
0: yeah so if we divide that budget into the uh, 325,000 yeah so it it, 145 times the budget is what it has returned (laughs) which is crazy
1: yeah and it's and I think it's got a perfect run time too. It's ninety one minutes, which I think for a horror film, an hour and a half is the sweet spot
0: yeah, yeah, um it definitely felt like a better length than psycho, which we both had commented felt a little long, um especially towards the end
1: yes well it well, it was I believe about fifteen minutes longer. And the pacing towards the end, it, it just kind of... We were kind of ready to sort of get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they were still, you know, trying to... I guess, get us there for lack of better, you know... Yeah. Way to describe what I'm trying to think. I don't know. <laughs> but but anyways, yeah. the, the the pace, it did feel a little long towards the end. But this movie... Um funny enough one of the critiques that i hear about this movie in other podcasts and just in horror circles like forums and things is that the people who don't absolutely adore this movie think that it is very very slow because mm. you don't get like your first kill well i mean people people die but you don't see your first on screen kill until like an hour into the movie,
0: yeah. Which, um, and, yeah. Which, yeah, which I would say was a good thing, but I could, uh, I yes. definitely could see how that would be a an accusation leveled. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, that's basically all I see in IMDb that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if you want to. Try to, I want to give your, uh, summary or, I mean, I tried to do some of my structural analysis at a high level. Um, but like I said, this is your movie, man. It's all, all you. <laughs>
1: um, you know what? I, I, I think we should just stick with what we, what we know. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, typically I sort of guide us through the, the IMD, IMDB breakdown, um, And you typically give the sort of quick synopsis. So let's just keep it that way. Sure. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, So basically, I think this um, movie can kind of just be organized, I don't know, as only a few different segments. Um, So you have, of course, the opening title theme. Um, You have the opening vignette where you see... Um, Michael or boy evil or whoever he is um, in his 1963 Haddonfield, Illinois home. And um, he witnesses his sister and his boyfriend uh, or her, sorry, her her boyfriend, (laughs) (laughs) uh, wrong pronoun, Um, her boyfriend, you know, starting to like make out on the couch and, you know, they go upstairs. Um, And of course we we're seeing all this from the first person point of view. Um, Michael watches. Um, the boyfriend ends up leaving, but Michael goes upstairs to his sister's room and kills her, and we um, find him uh, walking outside. His parents arrive, and then we finally see that he's just a little boy. Um, that's kind of the big shock, I guess, as we see that. And then, movie fast forwards a lot of time to um, the day before Halloween in 1978 in another part of Illinois, which they call Smith's Grove, um, for a brief opening thing where the Protagonist, One of the protagonists, I guess, Dr. Sam Loomis, is going to the hospital to um, recover Michael and make sure he never makes it out of there. But, of course, Michael escapes. Um, so the rest of the movie is just a return to Haddonfield where Michael latches on to uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis's character, Lori, as he basically stalks her around her um, daily life and school, um, walking back and forth. Um, on this Halloween day of 1978. Um, and, you know, it's, it's basically set up as an alternation where we see Lori doing stuff. Then we see a, a short snippet of Sam Loomis, you know, investigating, trying to figure out where Michael has gone with various clues and conversations in there that give you insights into the character of Michael. Um, so Lori ends up, um, like I said, she comes home from school. She goes to school, help comes home from school. She's making plans with her friends. Um, they are going to spend their Halloween, um, babysitting or her and her friend, Annie. But one of the friends is basically just trying to um, hook up with the boyfriend because she's, you know, living large. Um, and the, the drama builds where Michael is following Lori, um, a lot of creepy, you know, illusions, but the, there's no, you know, killing stuff for the longest time. It's just this gradual building, uh, suspense, um, Sam keeps investigating. He's retracing Michael's like childhood steps. He finds his mother's great uh tombstone. Um, he's talking to the sheriff of the of the town at Haddonfield, like warning him you know, what's gonna happen. Meanwhile, Lori ends up um babysitting with her friends, and the blood fest ensues, which you know we can cover that in much more detail. Um ultimately Sam and and Lori's storylines converge when he walks in the house as Michael is about to kill her. And Sam unloads his gun on Michael, um, who falls out of the window and disappears. Um, So we get um, some, you know, playback to the beginning where the the final shot we see is of Michael's house. And then we get the iconic closing theme and and credits um, to kind of bring the movie full circle. So it's very unresolved um, ending. And there's a lot of great action towards the end that I glossed over. Uh, but a very suspenseful build-up. You, like you said, you have to wait a long time for the payoff of the drama, but the suspense, I thought, was really good, really well done. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's my two cents on it.
1: <laughs> yes, I, th- I think that, that basically does a good job of sort of summarizing the film. So if you haven't seen it, you're caught up to speed, but... Why would you listen to this if you haven't watched the movie? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we're gonna, we just spoiled it for you. Yeah, uh, but so so I guess the first thing to mention that that I have on my mind is is the pacing. So that's something that you just sort of finished discussing mm. the the pacing. So it is slower. Like if you're if you're watching this movie just to get to the action to the kills, then it may be a longer movie for you because you, the movie basically earns the kills. Yeah. Because you have to wait a while for that payoff. But I think that what makes this movie is the shots where the camera lingers and you can see Michael moving about in the background. Mm-hmm. So you'll, there will be a scene that may seem pointless where there's just characters. I mean, the plot is moving forward and you're getting information that is valuable. But the scene will necessarily not seem relevant. But you can notice in many of the shots leading up to the attacks that Michael Myers is in the background of, of many of those shots. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is sort of the genius of this movie is that he's, he's, he's present the entire time and you're just kind of waiting to see when he's going to make his move.
0: Yeah. And there's so many like close calls where um, all the, all the characters are either at the same place at almost the same time, or like um, for example, Michael, drives by lori and her friends on the road or maybe it was just her and annie but drives by um and then he like stops later on and just like sits ahead of them and they're like like what is this guy doing um they like drives off so you're like well like you know is that is that the conflict you know where's gonna happen or later on when um lori and annie show up at the hardware store which we where we learned that it was robbed for a rope um and a mask. A, a mask, yeah, a <laughs> Halloween mask and some knives. And so they drive away. Then Sam Loomis walks up and Michael is sitting in the car at the intersection right behind him, like watching yeah. him. So they you know, you get like with all these situations where you know, like, oh they're like they're almost together, like they're all, you know, like he's Michael's almost getting like closer and closer, and there's all these shots um uh, where you see him following with him the car, you see him walking around following either Lori or little boy Tommy, who she ends up babysitting that night so
1: tommy doyle yeah
0: so lots of good um like you said suspenseful cinematography i guess where it's the first person um lurking of michael that we're kind of following around
1: yeah oh and and now that you mention it what did you think of that first scene the first person perspective of michael myers
0: Mm. i thought that was um really effective and i mean that scene it for me, I guess kind of sets the tone of the movie. Um, Cause basically what happens that Halloween night is more or less just played out again on the Halloween night. Um, 15 years later uh, where, you know, there's the, you know, couples carousing there's, you know, he's wearing a mask. He's like stabbing, you know, these girls. Um, and yeah. So like, you know, it's, I thought that was a very good way of doing it. But I think the big shock at the beginning is, you didn't necessarily realize he was a kid. Like you knew, yeah. you knew he was maybe he was like a teenager because his sisters, you know, watching him or he's home with his sister. But you didn't think he was six years old. Like this kid's there's got to be something seriously wrong with this kid. Almost as if he's you know not human.
1: Yeah, you can well you can see the hand that you know goes for the knife is is like smaller and it's mm. wearing like some kind of funky costume. Yeah, and the mask that he picks up definitely goes with the the look that the costume has but yeah yeah, i don't think that many people the first time they saw this necessarily were expecting a kid which which is definitely shocking It, it definitely adds to the weight of the of the opening scene
0: yeah um and like i mentioned i think every image or you know thing from that opening scene basically Come back, comes back to play. Whether it's you know with the opening shot of the house or the closing shot of the house in the movie, there being like a naughty couple making out on the couch and going upstairs like that, you know, basically repeats itself uh, exactly later on in the movie. The fact he's wearing a mask and he's you know using um, his kitchen butcher knife thing, um, the sister's bedroom. I guess Sam Loomis enters that later on in the movie when he has an important conversation with the sheriff about like how. I guess, just evil Michael is. And we learned that Sam Loomis has a gun for some reason, even though he's a doctor. (laughs) He didn't think he's going to shoot his patients. Um, So I thought, you know, like a very good, I guess, beginning to set up the movie. Um, It was like basically all through, you know, the action and music and suspense, um, at least for the beginning. I really liked, I was listening more so this time through the movie for some of the dialogue about Michael, because I know that was something you had talked about before, About this movie is how, you know, Michael wasn't necessarily even conceived of by John Carpenter as like the end-all, be-all, like bad guy. I guess
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he was just kind of I don't know. You can speak to that a little bit. Just I mean, on a manifestation or
1: yeah. Well, in the credits, so I don't know. There are quite a few people who sort of took this idea and ran with it, but in the Credits, they list the, the various actors for, for Michael Myers, and so they have probably the kid actor, but then they also have the person who played Michael Myers when he was demask. Mm. And they refer to him as, you know Michael Myers, yeah, so they have Will Sandin, Michael Myers age six, and Tony Morin, Michael Myers age 23. Mm. But then they list the person who actually is Michael Myers for the entirety of the film, except for when the mask is not on Nick Castle. They list him as the shape. And mm. I really like that because I know now that the Halloween franchise was supposed to be like a, a, a franchise, but it was supposed to be like anthological and each movie was supposed to stand on its own and be a separate story. And Mm. they attempted that with season of the witch and it didn't do as well. But initially John Carpenter's vision was to just release a Halloween movie every year. And it would be a different tale about different characters. I mean, there may have been, you know, some returning characters Mm -hmm. playing, you know, whatever parts, but, it wasn't supposed to necessarily focus on Michael Myers. And I know that the decision for it to just be about Michael Myers was, it came from Mustafa Akkad, the, you know, the money behind the franchise.
0: Mm.
1: And, uh, he's a, I guess a producer for most of the films, but he basically was like, Michael Myers is a cash cow. We're just going to keep bringing him back. But, that wasn't the intention necessarily. And so I like the idea of Michael Myers being the shape of evil, because then mm. that means in subsequent movies, the shape could be something different. So there's just this evil entity that flows in and out of the movies, and, you know, it takes the shape of a young boy later turned into a man, Michael Myers. But then perhaps at the end of this film, he was supposed to quite you know, definitively get killed off, shot, you know, six times or whatever. And then the shape would be something else in the next movie. Hmm. So that that is sort of a bit of, I guess, speculation interweaved with the actual reality of things. Yeah. But but I, I think that, that that's definitely an interesting idea. And I really like the idea of them just referring, because he's not an evil... Person, so to speak yeah that's what they think he is, but I, I think it's it's really cool to look at this movie as as if if you're just looking at it as a standalone movie as if he is the shape that evil incarnate has taken, but it can be anything else, like you know it may return as a dog in you know mm. a cujo like movie the next time or something,
0: yeah, and I think that perspective also gives you a new appreciation for the um for the dialogue or for the hints, especially out of the mouth of dr. Loomis, where I think yes. that's that's where you're um as as a viewer of the movie where you're locating your perspective around who Michael is, even from the opening sequence where you meet Loomis driving to the hospital um he's talking to the nurse and he's using the language of it, not him like it's like it's a distinction. Um, he makes, he refers to Michael, I think like as evil, like he says, evil has gone or something like that. Um, later on in the, when they, him and the sheriff revisiting the sister's bedroom, he makes this, he says like, this isn't a man. Uh, he we said, even as a kid, he could see the death in Michael's eyes. Um, and he said that what was living behind those eyes was pure evil. Um, and later, even like he revisits, was talking to, uh, maybe the sheriff again, um, when they finally figure out Michael is indeed in Haddonfield, it says, like, death has come. You know, so there's there's definitely this personification of evil and death just as this filling this human body, I guess. At, like I said, as a kind of evil incarnation, which is mm-hmm. just, I don't know, I think it's kind of a, it was a very cool idea, I guess, at least. Yeah. Um, where it's not just, you know, a psychopathic kid. Um, yeah. Yeah
1: and And just to sort of add to that, I believe too, at the very beginning of the film when when Loomis and that nurse are in the car together, he refers to Michael as it, and the nurse comments on it. She's like, mm. you know, shouldn't you be you know are why are you referring to this person as you know a thing or, or you yeah know, not yeah. not a person
0: right?" which yes yeah, so it's supposed to be weird you know i guess and that's that's we we see ourselves with the nurse right there wondering like why this guy's talking this way yeah um i think you know car- minor character wise um you know like the nurse doesn't really do a whole lot but the the friend linda was cracking me up because i started counting how many times she said the word totally totally, totally. <laughs> and i think i stopped stopped counting at like <laughs> i think seven just because i was just like okay I, I need to like actually watch the movie i can't just be counting you know the times that she's saying totally but that was i don't know just i hadn't I, I guess i hadn't noticed that before or you know like it was um <laughs> it was it just became a kind of like a funny running gag you know if you if you wanted to do that while watching through the movie and get the true tally um,
1: yeah it'd be a good drinking game i suppose just you know, take a sip <laughs> or a shot every time she says "totally."
0: Yeah. Or in my case, I was eating popcorn M Ms. I could have just, you know, popped a uh, popped an M M&M M, and, <laughs> and I ate a whole bunch of M Ms anyway. So I guess that wouldn't really change anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that was, I guess, just some of my observations on the dialogue, um, mm-hmm. which the dialogue pretty much stops once the action gets going. Um, when the when the killing. Uh, commences. Yeah. um Real quick, I'd,
1: I'd really like to hear your analysis or your take on the character of Doctor Sam Loomis. Hmm. I think. Like, what do you think of him as a as a psychiatrist or as a you know? What do you think he accomplishes in this film?
0: Yeah, I. um What's well, funny, even, for, even from the outset, he's not really on a redemptive mission for Michael. He's really more of like, you know, the guardian for the rest of the world where he's, he know, he knows what uh, Michael really is. And he's trying to like protect everyone, um, you know, even like having the gun um, and being more of like the investigator, I guess, uh, you know, like it's not, it's not at all his prerogative, I guess, as a psychiatrist to be on the streets, like looking for, for someone that's a job probably for other authorities, I would imagine, Um so I don't really I think it is interesting that choose him as a psychiatrist, maybe just because that gives him the credibility to speak into the uh the peculiar nature of Michael. Um but he, really I mean he's he's almost kind of like I wanna say like the the narrator or like the I don't know, like the choir in like old Greek plays where they're just kind of like yeah. giving you the fill in information to build the suspense or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you what your take is, but
1: well, I, I really I, I thought I would just sort of expand upon him a little bit more because you you had mentioned sort of how he was there to sort of take us by the hand and mm. you know show us who Michael is and, and tell us you know this is not a man this is this is evil mm. and and so I, I think that that definitely you know him being a psychiatrist definitely he has credibility or he he's able to say that, if, and we believe him. If he was, you know, something else, if if his profession was, was other, then we may be, you know, a little bit, you know, I guess cautious to accept, you know, the things that he's saying about Michael Myers. Mm. So I think that, you know, the profession was chosen... Maybe not carefully, like I don't wanna but it was it was thoughtfully, you know he he was appointed as a as a psychiatrist for the for the purpose of this film and in, in, in the writing. Yeah. But the the thing that I think is funny about him is that <laughs> he he spends the whole entire film running around yelling at people <laughs> does he accomplish anything i mean i know that at the very end he like comes in and you know shoots michael myers six times or shoots at him i don't know how accurate his shots were for right. or the first you know couple yeah but he shoots at him six times you know if we're if we're just looking at this film we we assume that you know that may have been the the, the final blow for Michael Myers, I know that his corpse is nowhere to be found at the very end, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's, you know, mm. still alive. I kind of took that, you know, just to, I know that I'm kind of skipping around here, Yeah. But no, since good. I mentioned it, I, I didn't necessarily take the ending to mean that Michael Myers is still alive. I just took it to mean that evil mm. was still lurking. Evil was still out there.
0: Yeah. And maybe and yeah, think, maybe that's more I, more so the effect they they intended yeah,
1: yeah. Like I know that the body wasn't absolutely, you know, there. I know that the body, you know, had vanished or gotten up and walked away. But I mean, you can, you know, if you're wounded, you can crawl away or you know move out of the camera frame.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
1: know, and then and then just die a couple minutes later. Yeah so but but i think i'm I'm reading a lot into you know the the whole idea of there being many different films that have different sort of focuses in terms of the shape of evil but you know since i really like that idea and i really like to look at this movie from that perspective Mm -hmm. I, i i'd take the ending to mean that that you know, the body is not there, not necessarily because Michael Myers is still a threat, but just because evil is still out there. And you can't end evil.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. For sure.
1: But, but yeah, what, what I was saying is, Sam Loomis, to me, his character is, he's very manic and I just, maybe it's because he has seen You know, he's looked into the face of evil and so it's sort of changed him as a person. Mm. But for this movie, it was almost hard to root for him just because he was just running around, scaring kids, screaming the whole time. If you just look at it as like a performance from the actor and Mm. and just, you know, look at it (laughs) as a... I don't know, for what it is. If If you don't look beneath the surface... And you're sort of like, oh, this is a man who's seen the face of evil. And you just look at it as, you know, you look at it surface level. He's just like sort of a bumbling fool that's running around screaming at people. And, and he doesn't necessarily accomplish too much throughout the course <laughs> of the movie. Because he doesn't really encounter Michael Myers until the very end of the film.
0: Yeah. Um, which maybe that's a good segue because we have not talked about Lori much. Um, yeah. But I think Lori Laurie... Um, I'll give a few comments and let you, I guess, elaborate some. Where I think Lori is cool in this movie as she functions is in contrast to the um, imperfect people around her and Mm -hmm. basically is passing the tests that the characters who get killed have failed. Um, For example, um, Lori, um, you know, has this crush on this dude, wants to take him to the dance, but she. ends up kind of resisting I don't know that temptation or whatever or wanting, you know, to to call that back because she's I don't know, like I said, just she's the other two girls have gotten very caught up with their respective boys, Paul and Bob. But she, you know, has resisted that. Um or for Annie, Annie, you know, was stuck in the um stuck in that house and, you know, she basically got killed because she couldn't, you know, get out of the car. But Lori was interesting because she um Rather than being trapped by Michael, she almost like learns from Michael where she sees Michael break through a door in the kitchen to get to her. Then she is like, oh, I can just break the, through this window in this door and remove the rake that's, you know, blocking me in here. Um, and of course, she, unlike Annie, also sticks with her, you know, ward for the night and babysits faithfully, whereas Annie's off gallivanting, And that's the whole reason she ended up by herself and getting killed off. So I just think it's interesting how Lori Um, you know, not that Laurie is perfect in, in this movie, but she definitely, uh, stands in stark contrast to Linda and Annie and, um, is able to face and fight Michael. Um, like I said, maybe in part by, by learning from him as she's fighting him, I guess. I don't know if that really makes sense. Um, but she, like, I think she thinks she kills him like two or three times, I guess just maybe, maybe just the twice. Um he just like keeps coming back. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that was just some of my thoughts on, on Laurie. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You might think about it yeah. differently.
1: Well I was <laughs> I was I was saving the uh the conversation for Laurie. Um and and I think now's a good time to discuss it, but mm. I think that Lori represents in a sense, mm. and I think that this whole entire movie, you could look at it this way. And and I, I will admit this is not my own idea. So I, I I sort of gathered this perspective from another podcast called Now Playing, and mm-hmm. it's a great movie podcast. If you if you love movies, you should definitely check out some of their episodes. They've covered thousands of movies. Quite literally, I believe, but th- their perspective is that this movie is basically just about well. I'm trying to think of so it's about sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think.
0: Of... Yeah, please, no, to go elaborate for us.
1: Uh, so, so the movie, you know, has all of these teenagers that are basically that is that is their only goal in the movie that is that is you know the the actions that they carry out throughout and most of the decisions they make revolve around that mm-hmm. and um jamie lee Cur- curtis's character Lori is presumably a virgin mm-hmm. And this movie is basically just about her struggle with her virginity, her innocence in a world of people who have sort of already taken the plunge into a more sexually active lifestyle. And so you can look at Michael Myers' character as being sort of – he represents man and man's goal to –
0: Say so like con- conquer women or something. Um,
1: yeah. There's a word I want to use. I'm not sure if, if I should. Um, I'm going to do it, and then you can let me know how you feel. Penetrate mm-hmm. using his knife, but he represents man and man's, you know, I guess, sort of innate desire to to do that and And so the whole movie is just sort of revolving around her struggle, I guess, with that i guess natural aspect of life that the other the other people around her and in her life have sort of already succumbed to hmm and um if you if i mean if you look at it, the people who I mean, it's just this whole movie just has sex all throughout. Yeah. The sister at the beginning of the film, her brother discovered her being sexually active, and that led to her death. Mm -hmm. And then it I mean, it's 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 a it's a trope in horror movies that if you have sex, you die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that might have been in part established by this film, because this was one of the earlier horror films that people look back on an early slasher that sort of set the stage just as psycho did mm-hmm. no nobody well i guess you know never mind what i was going to say wasn't true But <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, and anyways just the uh this movie i don't i don't know what your take is on that mm. um but that that is that is a perspective that i heard from from that other podcast now playing that I think is very interesting. And and you almost have to, once you hear it, you almost have to, you know, just accept it or disassociate yourself from that. Because as someone who has, you know, heard that before, I almost can't watch this movie now without, you know, only thinking about that.
0: Mm. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that definitely would explain, um, maybe some of the I don't know, innuendo and dialogue throughout the movie where, like you said, sex is definitely very like front and front and center and just kind of present in the minds of the characters as they're making the, the decisions. Um, so I think, you know, I think there definitely could be something to that. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I'm an expert in watching criminal minds, I guess, because I watched a lot of those, but I know that's, that is like, I guess a common thing they talk about with um, serial killers. Um, that do ex- will express themselves that way. But I guess it, what's interesting is maybe how that also connects to our previous movies. And that his the opening scene with the sister then is almost, I guess, like a incestuous jealousy or something. Yeah. Um,
1: that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah.
0: Which is one, you know, that's weird Two, It's also weird. Cause he's six years old. Um, and three, it's mm-hmm. weird because like the last three movies we watched have all had <laughs> incest as some type of, um, Theme being on, I guess the kind of darker, more horror-y side of things um, yeah. with Norman Bates um, and Blade. So yeah, that's interesting. I I, I had not, I guess I, that was not one of the things I detected upon watching it, but I I do see that fitting in pretty well with, you know, our observations about the movie.
1: Yeah. And that's more of a, I guess, Freudian take on the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I definitely like to look at it more so surface level, a, a little bit, you know, I guess, deeper mm-hmm. and psychological as, you know, the shape of evil. That's more of my take on the movie. Yeah. But I thought that you, you almost have to bring up that perspective because it's there. Like, there's evidence to support, you know, that, that underlying theme.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this movie is rated R for very, I mean, this is definitely like an R movie, um, a hard, R. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, it earns it. I mean, and, and I guess, I don't know in what ways the movie can be R because it's not really super gory, which I guess is something, you know, it might be surprising for, you know, more of like a slasher movie. Um, but yeah, and all the other ways the movie can be R, it definitely earns its place. Um,
1: Yeah, and I I mean, just to sort of, I guess, touch more on the gore aspect, Mm -hmm. because the budget was so low, I think that this movie benefits from not having a lot of gore because it's better to omit it than to do it poorly, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's better to just make a stylistic choice to just have it be sort of I guess bloodless mm-hmm. as opposed to to to, I guess refer back to what you said in the last episode like squirt ketchup everywhere
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I, I'm definitely yeah glad they did not do bad gore because um, that would have been distracting and I mean yeah and
1: yeah. It, it would have taken away from the yeah, film. Like yeah. this movie I would refer to this movie as as classy. Yeah. Like not just not just classic but classy. Yeah. And it, like I mean I mean, I know that there's a lot of you know raunchy elements but mm-hmm. I I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm just talking about, you know, stylistically and just the color scheme and scale and and it's it's a very classy film and it and it doesn't Because the budget is so low, you expect it to be a certain way. Yeah. And I think that they made all of the right choices to make it not a very cheesy, you know, D-list movie. Yeah,
0: for sure. And um, it has held up to the test of time pretty well, too. You know, if we're able to watch this, you know, 40 years later and it's not, you know, just like laughing at special effects or, you know, bad practical effects is a... You know it's a good reflection on the production of the movie um well, I think that's all of my observations before we get into evaluation i don 't know if there's there was anything else you wanted to bring up before your um final thoughts
1: well i mean i I think it would be almost sinful to to leave the discussion without mentioning some of the kills oh yeah for sure like some of the some of the some of the shots, yeah, because there are some very just neat I guess shots here that that revolve around the the killing
0: yeah well yeah you um, you can walk us through those
1: well i think so there are some very iconic shots, but i'll I'll mention one really quick that I think is just it pains me to watch this one scene it's it's uh it's when I believe it's Annie when Annie gets killed, mm-hmm. so she goes so she She's going to pick up her boyfriend and she goes to uh, get in her car and the door is locked. She goes to get her Mm. keys from inside the house, gets back to the car, the door is unlocked, and all of the windows (laughs) are fogged up. Yeah. And I just think she is such... I know that she, you know, was in a certain state of mind and she was excited about you know spending an evening with her boyfriend but you have to be some sort of special some special sort of stupid to not i guess pick up on the fact that the reason you went into the house was to get the keys and now the door's unlocked and also if you if you miss out on that like if you don't pick up on that fine but all of the windshields are fogged over mm-hmm. Or the windshield and all the windows are fogged over and I she does notice this after it's too late. But I I just think I would have noticed that beforehand. Before, you know, getting in a locked car with, with the killer. I think I would have been like, Okay <laughs> Why are all the win, why are all the windows fogged up and this door wasn't unlocked earlier? That's why I went into the house was to get keys to unlock the door. Yeah.
0: And I think yeah, all of that just makes you as the as the viewer just like cringing, like No, like pick up on these things, character. We don't want you to die. Um and I think the the scene with Linda, um I mean I think so when Paul gets killed, he doesn't he doesn't yeah. Hurt. is that Paul or Bob? No, I think it's Bob. Um when Bob gets killed, he doesn't really have a chance to see it coming. Um but Linda has you know this this the, that this really funny interaction with Michael where he's wearing the sheet, you know, over his body wearing Bob's glasses and just standing there staring at Linda and Linda is not creeped out at all. When she's talking to him, he doesn't reply. Um, I thought that was, you know, I don't know supposed to be comic relief or, or what, but that, that was very unexpected that he's just standing there pretending to be, you know, Bob.
1: Yeah. It, it was, it was a comical scene. I don't know if it was supposed to be, um, but it definitely was. It, it was definitely just funny, but I guess, because we knew that, you know, we watched Bob die mm-hmm. in the previous scene. And so we were like, well, that's obviously Michael. But it's it's very funny that he put a sheet <laughs> over his head. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess I would have to look at a screenshot from that scene again. And maybe I just – because I've seen all of the Halloween movies recently, or I've seen many of them recently, I think of Michael Myers to be this large, imposing mm-hmm. figure. And so I'm wondering, should she have picked up on, like, a height difference or, you know, something? Yeah. You know, because, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just wonder if she should have noticed that that was not Bob, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah in fact I would reply to that argument by saying totally she should have picked up <laughs> on that
1: <laughs> but, but yeah those were those were two of the iconic shots I was or that was one of mm. the iconic shots I was going to mention was the sheet over Michael Myers um, but then also the other one is just a jump you know back in time in the movie is, is Bob's death when he gets pinned to mm. the wall I think that has to be the most iconic shot from this entire movie mm. that that i see coming up again and again whenever i watch you know videos or you know see images of it because that's just such an iconic shot where he's pinned to the wall he's he's off his feet and he's you know stuck to the wall with a knife yeah and that that kill is mimicked in many many other halloween movies and i and i believe it i've seen it appear in several other just horror movies in general yeah
0: um i think i don't know this is definitely being picky but one thing I, about that scene i particularly i didn't really know if i was sold on was the distance that his feet were shown off the ground didn't really seem to correspond to the height at which michael was um lifting him up which you know that's yeah. that's being super nitpicky um but I, yeah, it was definitely well also, definitely a creative, you know, take on, like, you know, just just stabbing someone.
1: Yeah. Well, also, my dad. One of whenever I watch it with him, one of his biggest critiques is he's like, knowing, you know, the estimated length of that knife, it would have to be shoved <laughs> in to like the handle mm. for him to be pinned to the wall like that. Yeah. So, so I think that's that's another thing to sort of critique is is that the knife isn't even pushed all the way up the blade Mm -hmm. um and he's supposed to be pinned to the wall and um it the the knife would definitely have to be larger longer or or it would have to be pushed in like up to the hilt of the handle to to sort of you know be able to hold him up and pin him to the wall like that yeah
0: um
1: But that's just, you know, getting nitpicky and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's at some point you've, you've got to just, if it's such a solid movie that you're having to sort of tear it apart by little things like that, that are very trivial, then.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Um, for sure. That's not a huge bone to pick. And that actually makes me think of maybe one other thing worth noting on my end, which is the relationship between Michael and Laurie, you know, becomes important for the future movies because they're able to pick up on that, you know, in the. In the other plots, but the way Michael basically presents all these bodies to or for Lori to find with them, you know, very dramatically oriented with like Annie's basically looking like she's on the bed with the Judith Myers tombstone um, with Paul falling out or sorry, with Bob falling out um, out of the closet, like terrifying Lori with her opening the closet door and finding Linda there. Like it was very much. All of that was completely superfluous if Michael wasn't just trying to get at Lori, like anticipating, um, I guess, those being found in that way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that he sort of, you know, toyed with her a bit before he went in for the attack, mm-hmm. because like you said, he did arrange the, the corpses in a way and they weren't hidden they were displayed really i mean i get i guess you could say that the ones that were shoved into closets were were tucked away but the but the way that um did you say it was linda was she the one that was
0: annie was on the bed you know, linda was in the closet yeah, yeah
1: annie yeah so annie the way that she was just sort of posed on the bed in front of the the tombstone that was intentional and you know that was placed there for an audience right so that that's very interesting, too, just because, I mean, I personally don't know why he did that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you just look at him as, you know, the the incarnation of evil, then, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that, you know, evil would, would also enjoy, you know, I guess, building up terror or tormenting people. Right. And that seems more of like a – you know, like Pennywise the Clown in, in it. Yeah. Uh, he he likes to, you know, build up this sort of terror in his victims. Um, and I believe that's because it makes them taste better. It's like salting the meat. Mm-hmm. But it, it's – so that's why he – that's something that he does, and that's why he does it. But it's interesting that Michael Myers – um. It almost just seems out of out of place for his character to me. Yeah, but that's an interesting point that you bring up.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's why the movies I think pick up on the dynamic between Michael and Laurie because, you know, they're they are the main characters, I guess, of that movie. Um, yes, with
1: I know we spent a decent amount of time talking about Sam Loomis, but he is a secondary character as far as this film yeah. goes. Yeah, I definitely think it's about the relationship between Laurie and Michael, whether you want to, you know, think it's a sexual thing or if it's <laughs> mm. if it's a um, just sort of, you know, a sort of innocent character coming face to face with with evil and, you know, having to make choices. Yeah. Um, you could also, you know, discuss the, the children's roles within the film. Like, the fact that she's kind of the caretaker for mm-hmm. them, and they are also sort of these innocent, you know, beings that she is protecting from from the evil. Yeah.
0: except for letting them watch, like, all these classic horror movies, you know, on, on, on well, the six-hour marathon.
1: I, I mean, like, yeah, I guess I wasn't alive at that time, but, I mean, if you've ever watched, you know, The Thing or whatever... You, I mean, or at least the the original, you, you would know that they aren't. <laughs> Maybe they were horrifying for you know an eight year old kid in the seventies, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I they they are definitely almost like kids' movies by today's standards.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I guess that's not really an indictment against Laurie. Those are, I guess, more of like a. This observation that there's, I don't know if it's a cultural commentary on like, you know, kids watching TV and and stuff or, uh you know, if the, the John Carpenter just liked the movies that were alluded to in those shots. I think he liked you know. them
1: because he ended up, you know, he ended up remaking The Thing. Hmm. And that was actually one of his biggest movies. Oh. I think it, yeah, the thing from another world. I believe that was was that was that was the mo- one of the movies that was in Halloween. Correct?
0: Which one? Brave New. You say brave. The thing from another world. The thing world. from another world. Um, was was that? Was it like the alien one? There's one that was like a spaceship and looked like they were on Mars or something, like a flying saucer. But I'm not. I'm not sure um, which yeah. one that was. I just goo
1: yeah, it looks like it was um yeah, one of the movies that was shown that the children were watching.
0: Yeah. Which I guess but,
1: yeah but I yeah, I know that he remade that film hmm. in in um eighty one, I think. Yeah. So so it's kind of like, you know, what was the other movie we watched where there was oh yeah, um in Psycho we saw the birds. And so mm-hmm. You know, Hitchcock later released a movie called The Birds. Yeah, it's kind of like an Easter so, egg for
0: his own yeah. passions and work. Um, which maybe is a fair place to end, you know. The analysis is saying this is basically, you know, John Carpenter's, you know, work from beginning to end. So like, he did the soundtrack, he did the writing, did the directing. Like, this is his movie.
1: Yeah, he came up with the score. Mm-hmm. That's him playing everything. Um... It's definitely a very effective score, I mean we we can't really go without saying that yeah, but I think that it's it's iconic for sure, but I definitely think that it it enhances the film greatly whenever that theme comes on and and you know you sort of see Michael Myers
0: yeah, yep, I agree.
1: do you have any other? Any other points
0: to discuss? No, I think um, that was everything I, I guess I thought about and you brought out a lot more, you know, that was really interesting to think about. So <laughs> I, I'm ready to give my final take if if you are.
1: Okay, well, why don't you... I mean, I could talk about this movie for, <laughs> for hours and just keep coming up with stuff. Yeah. Like we could talk about the Captain Kirk mask or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if you if you really want to, you know... Hear more in depth discussion about the movie. You can listen to hundreds of other podcast episodes where people touch on different things. Yes, because um, this movie has been analyzed and torn apart for for decades now, and um, I mean it's a, it's a big movie and it's definitely a a classic that is still relevant and mm-hmm. still sort of influencing horror movies today.
0: Yeah, well said.
1: But yeah, if you want to if you want to sort of take us into the the thoughts of Seth <laughs> and uh let us know what what you uh what you think this movie deserves in terms of ratings. Yeah,
0: so I guess we'll give it the horror subscore and just overall um, overall movie um, synopsis, yeah. but uh in terms of the narrative structure the pacing suspense the dropping of clues and dialogue where there's this continuity you know of the path where sam is chasing michael who's chasing you know pursuing i guess um stalking lori and her friends i think the suspense is super well done um talking pacing you know was good the length of the movie was good where some people might say it feels slow and then goes crazy but uh, you know that I, i'm definitely a fan of how it does that um thematically you know like i said there's definitely different levels to the movie so there's you know there's you could, we can could keep talking about it all you know all day probably so i appreciate you know that and that there's been a lot of thought put into it um and for the cultural value kind of like psycho you know where we said psycho is almost just worth watching for its value as a reference and how it set the stage for other things. I think the same could definitely be said for Halloween um, for what it establishes as norms and trends for horror movies. And maybe like you said, maybe kind of inaugurating the slasher genre Um, and the critiques, you know, like where some of the things are maybe there's not great uh, or there's slight discrepancies with, you know, how realistic the kills are or other things, um, you know, that's, that's not really even anything I count against the movie as a whole. So, you know, the 10 is an elusive rating where we're like, you know, how are we going to know when to rate something a 10? But I think I could rate this in the horror subgenre as a 10 in terms of, if you're going to watch a horror movie, this is probably the defining horror movie. Um, one of the defining horror movies to watch and super well done, super well, um, like thought out and the, like iconic score, um, ends. So these are just the title theme and throughout, kind of like Psycho. Um, so I think I I think I would give this one the ten, um, and try to keep a short list of movies that I would give a ten to, um, within you know the horror genre. But I feel like this has sure. to be one of them for me at least. And but as a overall movie, um, because of how good of a horror movie it is. I would probably say that I would give it around like a seven because I think if you're not a horror fan, you could maybe kind of enjoy it, but you might, you know, not really love it or uh, you might just get, you know, bummed out because it's low budget and there's not like big actors and there's good acting, but it's not like, it's not just about the acting. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis does a great job, you know, being the screen queen. But, uh, it's not like a super moving movie that says, you know, a whole lot about, you know, you can't really, maybe, maybe not really identifying yourself with the characters as you're watching this movie. So, yeah, I think that's where I'll go is the, this is a 10 horror movie. Unless, you know, you, you, you might differ on that. And then I probably give it you know, like a solid seven, which the IMDb score is 7.8. So, you know. As a composite score of what I rated it, I feel like that's pretty fair. So, yeah. Yeah. Lay it on us, Caleb.
1: So, as I mentioned in the last discussion that we had about Psycho, this is one of... It's not only, you know, one of my favorite horror movies, but it is one of my favorite movies. Mm. And I watch it when it's not halloween I can't wait for October to come around for it to be more appropriate for me to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely watch this movie a few times a year. And, and it's one that I keep coming back to ever since I saw it the first time. And I think also the first time I saw it, was it just holds a special place in my heart. Because I remember when I was in high school, I was still afraid of gore. And I didn't like seeing a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my dad, I was like, what are, you know, what are some horror movies that you think could satisfy my, you know, curiosity? And and also, it's Halloween, we need to watch some some spoopy movies, but I'm not really into the gore. And so he, he suggested Halloween, and we watched, like, you know, one through five. I think we watched one through five on TV, like over the, it might've been one night, but it was definitely, you know, around Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that just holds a special place in my heart, that memory. Cause it was, it was really one of the first scary movies that wasn't like from Disney channel or something that I think I'd seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely keep coming back to it and, uh, there's no need for me to sort of talk about all the things it does right because i think you did a good job of that and um you know the score is amazing mm-hmm. i think the the suspense and everything the way that they they build up to the killings i think that they rightfully um they made a lot of decisions and i think that this movie rightfully earned its its place in the i guess horror history yeah in uh for film so i'll just i'll just skip to my ratings because you know given the whole sentimental i guess breakdown that i just gave um i think that sort of (laughs) explains a lot of things and and like i said you've already you know broken down the the things that did that it did right Mm -hmm. so in terms of horror movie um I have a hard time giving this one a ten. I know I know that um you giving it one definitely you know, makes me want to give it a ten. I you know, I just I have a hard time giving anything a
0: ten. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's it's hard and, to decide.
1: And I I I really just I don't know if I would ever give anything a ten.
0: hmm.
1: Like like, you know, in any genre any category um for this movie i i think that i would just for sentimental reasons and for the fact that it's a really solid movie and it also you know other than psycho kickstarted basically the horror genre yeah and slasher movies in general i i think i i'll have to i, I will agree with you if you would have given it a nine then i would have or if you would have given it less than a ten, I would have done that. Also. <laughs> I would have given it a nine because mm-hmm. I was already going. I was I was going to say nine, but because of your answer, I'm going to say ten. Just because wow. I think that this is the quintessential horror movie, mm. and it it may not be perfect. Um, I would have, you know, a hard time picking up the things or, or discussing the things that make it not a ten because I I just I love just everything about this movie. I love the flow of it. So, yeah, but I'll give it a 10 in terms of horror. And in terms of just a general movie, you you were saying that, you know, if you're not a horror fan, you may, you know, think it's good, but you may not, you know, have as, have as great of a time as, as someone who loves horror movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what I just said, I wasn't a fan of horror. Movies. Mm, yeah. Like I was look I was I was looking for a scary movie to watch around Halloween that wasn't going to make me vomit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, so I was I wasn't a fan of I mean I guess I was a fan of creepy stuff, but I wasn't a fan of horror. And I watched this movie and it it really got me into the horror genre and now you know I've seen Many, many different movies, and there's nothing that I really won't watch in the genre now. Um, so, I mean, as as a person who was on the other side of that, I think that this movie got me into horror. And it is, you know, that that has a lot of value to me. the The fact that you can watch this movie not liking, you know, the genre or not respecting it mm-hmm. the way that, you know, some do and to just sort of be like you know what I'm all in I'm I'm going to you know keep pursuing you know this feeling so i mean it like i said it's a very solid movie and the fact that it got me into horror even though i wasn't into it to begin with i would have to give it a high rating um just as a movie in general i won't give it a 10 <laughs> <laughs> just because that that's uh It was hard for me to do that for the horror category, but for for movies in general, you know, whatever a ten is to me, um, it it probably doesn't you know match that. But I I will probably give it somewhere between. Uh, I'll give it an eight. Hmm. I'll shut up because <laughs> it it's hard for me to do these things because I have to sort of talk myself into an answer yeah well it's it makes and, it
0: interesting um, to listen to though so <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe you know if if anyone besides you listens to this episode, they might be annoyed with how I just spent the last you know ten minutes of our <laughs> conversation but but it, it, i just I guess I want to vocalize how difficult it is for me to write something, yeah. Especially trying to do it from a from a perspective that isn't completely just biased towards the movie we're watching right because i I do want to be like, yeah, this is basically the best horror movie ever made, and this is you know this is one of my favorite movies, and so I'll just give it a ten and a ten but <laughs> i'm trying- I'm trying to sort of look at it very objectively um so I apologize if if it was hard or or annoying to listen to me sort of work my way to my ratings because i always i don't rate things before we come into these conversations Mm -hmm. because i kind of let you um convince me Mm. uh, of you know one way or another yeah um for example when we watched blade i was going to give it a lower rating than i did (laughs) for for horror yeah i think i still gave it a fairly low rating yeah in terms of just movie in general. Um, Cause it wasn't, it's its not that I didn't enjoy it, but I just didn't necessarily think it was all that great of a movie. Yeah. But you convinced me to sort of be like, Oh yeah, you know, it, it was a good time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll just, I'll just shut up. I, I, I think uh, what I'm deciding is 10 for horror movie and then eight for just a movie in general, because I was thinking somewhere between what you said and, a nine because I don't like giving out tens willy nilly. Yeah, and so I think eight is a good one to sort of slide into. Yeah,
0: well, I think rating movies is very difficult, and I think listening to you work it out is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Well, yeah. hopefully,
1: hopefully anybody else that listens to that, yeah, to this feels that yeah. same. Yeah.
0: Well, way. hopefully they themselves are trying to figure out um, what they feel about these movies as they watch them and, um, try to enter the conversation with this. Um, and really whoever speaks first, I think it's kind of sets a tone for how the other person's going to respond, um, in the reading. Yeah. So it's, it's fun, you know, Definitely. working it out together. That's, that's why we're watching the movies together. Um, not just, you know, independently reporting. this is it's part of the joy of watching movies. You have the movie pass, not so you can go to the movies for free, but so that you can watch movies with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah, but also watch movies for free so yeah i think I think that about covers it on my end for Halloween, yeah, um, it's been a lot of fun to talk about it as we are on let's see what is it october twenty seventh is when we are twenty seventh we are recording this, so uh, Halloween is quickly approaching, and um if you see anyone in a Captain Kirk mask and holding a knife or just someone wearing a bed sheet and having has glasses on, you're probably better off steering clear this weekend (laughs)
1: yeah if if you you know find yourself in that situation because as we all know um we are in a different you know i guess state as a not not just you know country or nation but just as a world so this year halloween may look different Mm mm-hmm to a lot of people but i guess you know since we're asking people to wear masks maybe a uh captain kirk mask isn't the you know worst thing to do (laughs) you know you know what i'm saying yeah like like october 30th that's friday what if you just you know for forego the you know surgical mask or whatever it is that you're wearing and and you wore you know a a captain kirk one a, a michael myers mask
0: instead yeah um I think if if anyone does that, they should definitely reach out to us and uh, let us know how that goes for them because there's bound to be an interesting story told there. (laughs) Let
1: us know if you still have a job.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Um, All right, Caleb, this has been a lot of fun. Um, Looking forward to uh, the next movie up for us, which I believe is back to the future.
1: Mm. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: so we will be back in the future with uh, with more to share um, with you guys. So if you've listened this far, thank you for listening. Um, and I hope you enjoyed uh, being part of the conversation. Definitely. Um,
1: well, Seth, let's make like a tree and get out.
0: <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs>